Strategic Financial Partners presents the Rush Hour Podcast, where the rubber meets the road on the economy, stock market, and personal finance. Now here's your host, Matt Rush. Welcome to the Rush Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rush, and joining me today on the program is First Trust Senior Economist Strider Elas. First Trust is the sixth largest ETF sponsor in the world, as well as the largest sponsor for actively managed ETFs. Strider is part of the First Trust economics team that Bloomberg has ranked as one of the top forecasters of the U.S. economy over the last several years. Strider, I'm a big fan. Thanks for joining the program. Hey, it's my pleasure, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, just want to talk about the, the state of the economy. Yesterday, we had another monster loss in the jobs report, continuing claims uh, on, on the rise. I've been watching your uh, your work that you've been releasing on the website, and you talk a lot about high frequency data. Can you tell us what that is, and you know, kind of what perspective that gives you on the state of the economy right now? Sure. Yeah. So, so usually we focus on the monthly data that's coming in. There's some weekly data, especially initial unemployment claims, that are really important. But normally we're focused more on the monthly data. The issue uh, this time around in the recession that we're currently in is that it's very, very steep, but we, we know it's going to be very, very short-lived as well. Uh, it's been caused by government uh, basically shutting down business. And once business, as they, starting, as they are starting to now, open back up, uh, we should see growth start to resume in the economy. And so it's very, very short-lived. And so if you're focused on the monthly data, I think you're going to miss the turning points. And so we've put together a list of of high frequency data. And what I mean by that is data that comes out uh, pretty frequently. So either weekly or even daily. And this is what we've been following because I think uh, it showed uh, coming into this recession as things were really starting to slow down and then to to basically fall off a cliff. uh, And now it's starting to show that we're bottoming. And a lot of these on a weekly to monthly basis have now turned positive. They're still down substantially from a year ago, but they've turned. So if you look at initial unemployment claims, for example, which we got yesterday, uh, for the previous week, it was 2.4 million or so people who filed. Uh, That's still well elevated from a year ago. A year ago, it was 213,000. But if you look over the last month, that's down uh, 45% uh, from from where it was. And even over the last week, it's down about 9%. So we've seen improvement there. It's still way too high. But we're seeing things on the margin change, and that's a, a good sign. You look at box office receipts. So these are people going to movie theaters. Uh, last week, it was hundred. They brought in one hundred forty-one thousand dollars for that week. A year ago, it was two hundred and nineteen million dollars. So that's still off ninety-nine point nine percent. But but you think even since the last uh, week, it's up eight point eight percent. And over the past month, that number's up seven hundred and fifty-two percent. It actually bottomed around $5,000. So uh, there's a lot of different data. We look at rail car traffic, steel production, hotel occupancy is pretty interesting. It's still off 54%, but over the last month, it's increased by 9%. And even over the last week, it's up by 2.3%. Uh, we look at uh, uh, Open Table puts out a pretty interesting report. It's called the state of the restaurant industry. And this was sitting at minus 100, basically, uh, for the last month and a half or so. Now it's moved to minus 92%. So things are starting to open up again. And TSA checkpoint data, these are people going through uh, TSA checkpoints at the airport every day. That number's hovering right around 250,000 people right now that are going through the airport. It's still down from about 
two and a half million people a year ago, so down about 90%. Uh, but from a month ago, that's up 118%. Uh, it, it bottomed right around 80, 85,000 people going through the airport in a given day. And lastly, we look at the supply of motor gasoline in the United States. And this isn't, uh, this is more of a measure of consumption, how much gasoline is being consumed. And it really bottomed around 5 million barrels per day. Uh, if you look, normally it's around 9.5 million barrels per day. Right now we're sitting at 6.8 million barrels per day. So since the bottom, it's up substantially. In the last month, it's grown by about 28%. So all this to say, uh, it's important to focus on these these uh, weekly indicators or even daily indicators right now because this is going to be a very, very short-lived recession. And if you're focused on the monthly data, uh, you're going to miss out on a lot of the the turning points that we're seeing because it's still, we won't get a lot of May data until either June or July, uh, which by that time we think we'll be in a a full-blown recovery. Got it. Well, there's no doubt that everybody has been impacted by coronavirus. Um, The the federal government has taken drastic steps to to buying up corporate debt. Uh, Congress has taken its own action uh, with the PPP program, with the CARES Act. Uh, Does First Trust foresee any additional action coming forth from either party? Yeah, I think there'll be at least uh, one more stimulus. Uh, the House passed that that big stimulus bill uh, the other day. Uh, I think that's dead on arrival in the Senate, but I think a lot of those things uh, that they put in it will actually get put into a new stimulus package that everybody can agree on. Uh, I, I'm usually not a big fan of stimulus in general, uh, but I think this time it was more needed than any other time before. And the reason I say that is because really – government shut down the economy, you have all these small businesses that have just been decimated uh, and, and all their employees that have been put out of work. I mean, you think about the PPP program uh, to, to, to provide loans to small businesses. In that first round of the CARES Act, they, they, re- they received $349 billion for that specific program. And within about a week and a half, that money was all gone. And there's 30 million small businesses in the United States, and really only about 1.66 million of those small businesses received a loan. Uh, And so that left about 95% of small businesses without uh, a small business loan from the PPP. And they've they've upped that now. There's another 300 billion or so dollars that have gone to this program. But even if that goes, say they get the average loan size, that would be another about one and a half million businesses uh, that... uh, Uh, get a loan, that means that about 90% of small businesses would still be without a loan. And if if government wanted to give every small business the average size loan that they've provided so far, which has been about $220,000, that would cost them $6.6 trillion. And that's obviously not a reality. And so I think stimulus, what it's done here is, is it slowed some of the bleeding, but the only way that you can really stop the bleeding is by opening back up the economy. Got it. So I, I was reading the Monday morning outlook that uh, Brian Westbury and, and you put out, and th- there, there's no doubt that there's there's been unprecedented response from from everyone. And the Congressional Budget Office recently totaled up that uh, I think they estimated that the the budget deficit would be roughly 18 percent of GDP. Uh, walk us through how, how you think that we're going to pay for this to to kind of get get out of the situation that we've created. Yeah, it's it's a lot of money, obviously, and every year from now on for a while, we're going to see massive uh, budget deficits. In fact, it, yeah, as you said, the Congressional Budget Office is, is thinking about $3.7 trillion, 
I think since we will probably see at least one more stimulus package this year, that's probably going to move it up closer to $4 trillion, which would be about 20% of GDP. And this would be the, the highest that we've really seen since uh, 1943 to, to 1945. And so it's kind of crazy to think about these budget deficits will be enormous going forward in the years ahead too. But while, while debt is large and growing, it really remains manageable. Before this, this present crisis, the average interest rate on all outstanding treasury debt, including securities issued by multiple decades ago, was, was only about 2.4%. And so now you look at the new debt that's being issued, by our calculations, it's going to be about 0.25%. So a big difference uh, than what we've what we've saw before, and so you think about all that debt, which costs 2.4 percent right now. When that gets rolled over at around 0.25 percent, that's a great deal for future taxpayers. Uh, we think that really they should be expanding out the the, the length of of treasuries. What well, we should be uh, having longer dated securities, such as 50 or 100 year bonds. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever do this. I mean, it's something that they really should do. Uh, but uh, the reality of it is, is that right now, when you look at our debt servicing costs, uh, they're very, very low relative to GDP. In fact, if you look in the 80s and 90s, it was about 3% of GDP was going to debt servicing costs. Right now, it's right around 2% of GDP, and it will slightly go up here in the coming years. But because interest rates are so low, it's really not having that dramatic of an impact right now. The bigger issue is is not so much the debt side, but it's the the spending side of it. And the only way that government can spend money is by borrowing or taxing money from the private sector. And so as government spending more and more, that means that you're automatically going to have a, a less vibrant private sector. More and more money is, is being used in inefficient manners. And so that's, I'd say, would be the bigger concern over the longer term, not so much the debt. Got it. Well, I think the the pressing question on everybody's mind at this point is, where do we go from here? Are we in a U, a V, a W, or my my favorite now, uh, the Nike swoosh? What, what's what's the recovery look like? Yeah, I think you know, it, I, I I could even give you one more. I think maybe a, a reverse square root, and uh, <laughs> I, I think we're going to see. I think really we're going to see a, a snapback here in the third quarter. Uh, it's not going to get us back near where we were in the fourth quarter of, of 2019, where we had record output. Uh, but then from there, uh, growth will kind of steady, will continue to grow. But we don't think we'll hit record growth. Uh, we won't hit, uh, excuse me, we won't hit record output again until probably the third or fourth quarter of 2021. So I guess you can look at it in many different ways, uh, you or a reverse square root or, or however you want to look at it, but it's, it's not going to be a V-shaped recovery uh, this time around like we saw in, in 08, 09. Uh, and uh, I think it's because, uh, I mean, really the damage, there's so much damage that was done by completely shutting down the economy. A lot of these small businesses, there's, as I said, 30 million small businesses, a good chunk of those are just never going to reopen again in the the real tragedy is that a lot of these small businesses were doing very, very well in January and February, and then they really had the rug pulled out from them when, when everything kind of shut down. And so uh, it's going to take time to work through that. Uh, but there's a big difference between the economy and the stock market. And so we do believe that there will be more of a V-shaped recovery in the stock market than there will be in the economy because 
it's really key to understand that investors, they don't buy shares of GDP, they buy ownership stakes in a distinct set of companies. And many of these companies are, are doing quite well, despite all the general economic carnage that we are seeing right now. And so, I mean, think about a lot of these, the spread of the coronavirus has really helped out a lot of these larger, well-capitalized companies, particularly technology companies. And and these are the companies that have really been driving uh, the um, uh, the market higher here in the last month, and we believe that these companies will continue to do well in the in the years to come as well. Exactly. I'm really glad that you said that about the economy not being the same as a stock market. I I get a lot of questions from financial advisors all all throughout the the country as well as clients, and it, a lot of them are asking, you know, how, how it is that the stock market is continuing to be so resilient uh, whenever uh, the news on the economic front do- doesn't seem to be uh, quite as quite as positive. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, that's really the thing is that you have to very, very much separate out the two. There's, there's so much more that goes into the economy than, than really that goes into the stock market. And you think about these companies, obviously they, they play a hand, both of them go hand in hand, but that doesn't necessarily mean if GDP is only growing 2% a year, that the stock market only needs to grow 2% a year. You think there's a lot of dead weight that there is in GDP, uh, there, there's a lot of inefficiencies where you look at companies uh, and you look at these companies that have really been changing the world that are actually really driving the growth in the economy. You might have half the economy that's more dead weight and the other half that's, that's kind of like a, a racehorse. Uh, you're, what you're betting on in the stock market is, is the racehorses. Those are the ones that are, are really growing at, at pretty, pretty rapid clips. And, and that's what's really driving growth over over time, that's what's driven growth over history, and that's what will continue to drive growth uh, coming out of this as well. Agreed. Well, Strider, this has been very informative. I appreciate all of your work as well as the entire economics team at First Trust. You're you're helping not only myself but everyone navigate through these uncharted waters. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Matt. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to be with you. Take care. For more content from Strider and his team at First Trust, you can follow him on Twitter at Strider Elass, that's E-L-A-S-S, or you can follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Matt Rush SFP. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified as new episodes are released, and if you're interested in contacting our firm or would like to contact me, check us out online at strategicfinancialpartners.com. Matt Rush is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of MML Investor Services, LLC, MMLIS. Member SIPC, securities and investment advisory services are offered through MMLIS. Supervisory office located at 949 South Shady Grove Road, Memphis, Tennessee, 38120. Phone number 901-767-5951. Strider Elas and First Trust is not a subsidiary or affiliate of MMLIS or its affiliated companies. The views and opinions expressed are those of Strider Elas from First Trust and may not be representative of the views and opinions of MML Investor Services or its affiliates. 